This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program, presented by TaylorMade. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow with the all-new Sim 2 driver, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino with you, Weeks with you, Scully with you. The gang's all here. I don't know whether I should feel happy and thrilled of the wonderful Canadian golf news over the last 10 days with victories on multiple tours now and cards being handed out, or that we're two and a half weeks into the dictatorship regime lockdown still with no sign of light and no more information coming. I'm so torn and confused emotionally, Bob, but I do know this, that the next two hours will not only be entertaining and full of information, it's also now being used as a large support group for the three million golfers in the province of Ontario, Bob. We're here. We hear your stories. Come to us. We'll try and help you get through until May 20th when Ford locks us down for another month. That's right. And that is Dr. Weeks. Uh, and uh, This is Dr. Zucchino. And he's got a clipboard. And I'm just nodding my head, chewing on the end of the pencil as we try to come up with the solution to all of this. A crazy, crazy busy show. Bob went one-on-one with Weirzy last night, immediately following the big victory, his first win on the Champions Tour. We'll get into that. Last week, Bob spoke with uh, Taylor Penrith after we started handing out candy officially on the Corn Ferry Tour as uh, Taylor is officially headed to the PGA Tour, which uh, we were all anticipating. Uh, we will break down Sam Burns' victory at the Valspar. CEO of the... Uh, PGA of Canada, Kevin Thistle, going to pop by an hour or two. Uh, Kevin uh, is at their AGM this morning, friend of our shows, um, and hoping to get maybe a little insight on anything that he has heard in terms of lobbying efforts, uh, of anything that's hopefully moved the, the sticks a yard or two with the province. And also, just to get, I'd love Bob to get, I guess, an idea of, the, the feeling in his association, because I suggested last year, like, we should applaud the PG of Canada, the, the superintendents and, and, and their uh, staff, coast to coast, for what was really a, a home run. Like, they, they are the ones that provided the environment and kind of kept things in order for us to be able to go out and hit the home run, we, we went out. And they had to adapt with all these changing rules. And I'm curious, Bob, what now their, I guess, uh, their uh, emotional state is on this. Because like, if I'm one of them, I'm sitting there going, hold on a sec. We, you know, we did all the heavy lifting for an entire year. We hit a grand slam, and this is kind of where we landed. I'm curious of where that, that feeling is amongst his association. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who make their life livelihood in the golf business, uh, present company included. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we I think the superintendents and those people on the course are still keeping the courses in, in good nick. And uh, the golf professionals, I'm sure, had their pro shops all lined up and ready to go and ready to sell and things. But, um, you know, you can't teach lessons. You can't you're probably not selling a lot of gear. Um, there's a lot of spin-off effects here, and people sort of look at this as a game, but it's also a business. And there are a lot of people whose livelihoods are at stake here, 
And the longer this remains closed, uh, the more harmful it will be. And it's no different than, listen, there's a lot of people out there who are being affected by this pandemic. We know that. So if you, you can help some of them, one of them, any of them, in some You know, what's going on here, gang? Well, we're back. Sorry, folks, a few technical difficulties there. Bob, I lost your last 10 seconds. I think I'm back now. You guys hear me? Give me a nod. We're good. Okay. I said um, I'm expecting a rant from Mark. That's what I, my last 10 seconds. Well, that, well you're going to get one of those. Here's what I do. Uh, before we <laughs> tee up the show, get the news and headlines, here's what I do know 100%. There are meetings happening this morning. They are virtual between government and stakeholders. That I do know. After that, I can't help you very much other than we hope we get some progress because at the end of the day here, you keep passing the ball back and forth for the next few weeks. Next thing you know, it's May 20th. This was all a moot point at that point of May 20th anyway. We would hope. Bob suggested off the top, could see another 28 days coming. <laughs> oh, man. I can, I, can give you a, I can give you a little oh. more update too, Mark, from some, some of the stuff I've heard if you okay. want a quick update. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, the main stumbling block after the meetings last week, the main stumbling block was mobility. The government does not want people from Toronto going to Niagara Falls or people from Ottawa going to Perth. They want people to stay in their place. So the lobby groups have gone back, and they are sending out questionnaires yesterday and today to golf courses to try to get a, an idea of what the out-of-town play numbers look like as best they can. And once they have that armed uh, and that information back they'll uh, they'll head back but i from all the people that i have talked to and had correspondence with who were either in meetings or heard about the meetings and this is from both sides i've heard some people from queen's right. park uh it's not very positive on the outlook at the moment that could change in a flash though you know what i find so interesting about that is that makes complete sense bob considering the entire province is under the same rules you can't stop and dine you can't stop and shop you can't stop and do anything different in perth than you can do in toronto Typical logic of Ford Nation. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, busy show. We're also going to have Mr. Butcher $100 gift card giveaway at the end of hour one with Mr. Butcher Trivia. Winners, weird and what coming up. But first, let's get to some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. And you get uh, Sandbagger right now in your LCBO as well. So go look out for Sandbagger on the shelves uh, at your local LCBA, uh, LCBO store. Mike Weir, a big winner, Champions Tour. I know we're going to hear your one-on-one -on -one with Mike Bob, but, man, what a display. I, he hit some clutch iron shots down the stretch, uh, was not able to convert on the putts of those iron shots. But for me... When I look back at this, I'll look at a, a driving display. Man, he hit some drivers on that back nine where other guys were holding on for dear life, steering hybrids, steering three woods, playing very defensive. He got up there, uh, well, even the last two holes, just got up there and nutted drivers right down the middle. I look at back at this, and I'll, I'll think, wow, what a great driving display on Sunday for Mike Weir. What makes that so amazing, Mark, is that that, was the club that probably gave him the most difficulty when he was in the depths. I mean, he could not get it on the fairway. I can remember having a talk with David Ledbetter at the British Open, and Mike had been working with him. And, and David said, you know, if we can get him 
straightened out with the driver. He's got an all-world short game. The rest of it should come together. Well, they couldn't get that driver straightened out, at least not for a few years. And now, as you said, that's the club that actually kind of brought it all together for him. And I love that stretch on the back nine, though, where he went birdie, bogey, eagle, bogey, birdie. <laughs> that, that was a kind of a fun ride. <laughs> I love seeing the hard work pay off. Uh, we all kind of anticipated this was coming. Uh, a few weeks back, we all suggested it isn't if Mike Weir will win on the Champions Tour, but more when Mike Weir will win. Now it is a two-shot victory for his first Champions Tour win over John Daly, Tim Petrovic. Mike Weir gets it done. Well done. David Tubbs, excuse me, also in a tie for second, two back. But uh, great success, and we'll hear from Weirzy and Bob coming up in the next segment. It seems to be a theme. Guys that were due a win, guys that deserve the win. Sam Burns, Valspar, wow. 68 on Sunday. Um, just kind of hung in there, hard fought. He's kind of done everything in the last six months but win. Came so close earlier this year at the Genesis when he had an opportunity to win. Uh, Keegan Bradley would really love to have that one swing back at the par three that he rinsed it, but still a great victory for Sam Burns. Yeah, and this is a guy, like you said, has been knocking on the door. He has uh, led or co-led after a round on the PGA Tour this season nine different times. So it was kind of nice to see him finally get it over the edge. And I thought it was really kind of uh, kind of cool to see the emotion come out, the tears that came out afterwards. And you know how much uh, this means to a guy like Sam Burns, to any guy who wins. I mean, Mike Weir was emotional too. So good to see him finally get over the hump and get uh, victory number one. Paula Creamer returning to the LPGA Tour after an 18-month hiatus, which was really a, a double-edged sword. One, a little cautious when it came to traveling during COVID last year uh, and earlier this season, but uh, also, Bob, uh, given the wrist a chance to heal, a little, which is one of those industries, injuries, excuse me, where you and I have talked about this. That's one of those weird ones because there's just so much contact with the ground that if you come back a little early, you don't give it time, it, it might never get to be where it needs to be. She's only 34 years old. be interesting to see what this comeback looks like. I think the fact that uh, COVID was around may have been a bit of a benefit to her, allowed her to sort of say, look, I don't have to come back right now. I can take a little bit longer and and, and as you said, fully heal this thing. I've always talked about... Uh, with, with doctors who say, you know, in, in those kind of injuries, whether it's an ankle or a wrist or something that moves a lot, said you wait till it's fully healed and then you wait half again <laughs> as long just because you want to make sure that it's going to be set properly and can take, as you said, the punishment that goes with swinging. And Tilsonburg Golf Club, which is the golf club that is pushing back as the rogue club or one of maybe a couple rogue clubs that have opened up against the uh, closing order uh, from Ford Nation uh, is been fined heavily, and now some players that uh, participated, some people that participated in playing, were ticketed and fined on the way out of the golf course yesterday, Bob. But they remain open and they remain fully booked. Yeah, so basically, five people who are associated with the golf course have been charged. They'll have their day in court, and the maximum fine, they'll never see it, but the maximum fine could be up to $10 million. And then on the weekend, the OPP started ticking, ticketing players as they were exiting the golf course after their rounds, which just makes uh, the, uh, the bridges at Tilsonburg now have the highest green fee in all of Canada. Uh, I believe it's about $880 <laughs> to play there now if you want to play. 
Oh, man, that is unbelievable. Okay, well, we'll see how long they, they keep this pushback for. I know there's a lot of people on social media suggesting they're hurting. They're not hurting. They're not helping. I don't think a rogue anything stands anywhere in the big picture of this. I think you're going to have, just like we had rogue restaurants and rogue stores, it happens in all walks of life. People are frustrated and people... Uh, start hitting the wall and making decisions for themselves. And I think that's probably what's going on here. I don't think hopefully it doesn't affect anything in the big picture. I'm curious, Bob, you know, we let this go. Like you suggested there, before we go to break on the other side, we're going to hear from you and Weirzy. I'm curious. I, I would not, I am not supporting ever like rogue anything, nor would I put myself in any other business owner's shoes. I would never tell a, a, a a restaurant, what they should do or what they can do or a golf club or anything like that. Not my business. I don't own it. I don't know what their financial situation is, etc. But from an, uh, an industry standpoint, $6.5 billion towards the, uh, towards the province in terms of what our industry is worth to this province, 800 facilities, uh, 3 million votes in the province of Ontario when comes deciding the next election. At what point does the golf industry stop asking and start pushing? Because if we woke up collectively organized, we would realize we don't really have to negotiate. We could be telling what's going to happen. It's not like we're going against doctor's orders or doing anything that would be considered uh, irresponsible. So, Mark, you're calling for anarchy in the streets? Is that what we're, we're no, calling no, for? No, I'm calling for a more organized pushback. <laughs> I think that would do nothing but give uh, the game a pretty bad name and a pretty bad image. It's, listen, I've been fighting with people online all week who are talking about you know golf being an elitist sport. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, there's no good answer here. People want to play golf, obviously, and and we're on the you know we're in the midst of that. We hear from those people every day on on this show on our social media. It's hard. We gotta we gotta follow the rules, though. I think to a certain extent and do this properly. And uh, hopefully hopefully it'll be sooner than than later. But I'll tell you right now, I, I'm I'm not very optimistic about a quick opening date. Yeah. And let me be clear, very clear, that I am not talking about golf being different than anything else or above anything else. I am speaking strictly to anything like golf, tennis, etc., that our medical and science experts have said, yes, you should be open, it's safe or safer. It's that. That's what I am referring to. I'm not referring to anything other than that. So I want to make that very, very clear. Okay. On the other side, Mike Weir gets it done. Champions Tour. Let's go with some good news for the next segment right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow with the all-new Sim 2 driver. Only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. It's the Kino Week. Scully, Scully's going to pop by at the end of hour one. Give us an update on 
or attempts to reach out to our premier and his team and really have anybody at all uh, kind of you know come on the show and discuss uh, where the science is and why we've come to this. And listen, uh, if there's something that we are unaware of or something that doesn't make sense, let us be a vehicle to explain why uh, we are in this situation. I w- I've said that from day one. All we're looking for is a conversation. Uh, and if we're unaware of some science or some data that doesn't exist, let us be a vehicle to, uh, to get our audience and the golf community that information. So we'll get an update from Adam at the end of hour one. Bob, you've known Mike a very long time. Before we get to this interview, uh, what would you describe his emotional state when you talked to him last night before we get to this interview? What, was it relief? Was it celebratory? Was it a combination of both? Uh, yeah, probably mixtures of both. I think I think a lot of celebration. I think a lot of... Uh, satisfaction from all the hard work that he's been put in, been putting in the last little while. Uh, you can't see it obviously because this is radio. But when we start, when we fired up the Zoom, he had a big glass of red wine, and then he passed the phone over to his partner Michelle, and she had a big glass of red wine. <laughs> and uh, so I think there was uh, there was a lot of different emotions for Mike uh, that came clear when he finally got this win. And we're going to run it on TV this week, I believe. So we'll be able to show this interview as well on Wednesday on Golf Talk Canada Television. Mike Weir, a two-shot victory for his first ever Champions Tour win. Let's hear Bob and Mike one-on-one. Well, Mike Weir, uh, I don't know where to start. What an afternoon. What a uh, return to the winner's circle. Let's start with the current. Uh, how aware of you of what was going on on what was kind of a crazy up and down and a long day for you out on the golf course? Uh, I was aware quite a bit. Um, I, I was looking at the board. I think on number 13, I saw, I was waiting in the fairway. I saw John make that long putt for Eagle. Um, so I was, you know, I was definitely paying attention to what was happening and we were all, you know, kind of battling it out. So yeah, you kind of, you kind of pay attention to what's, what's happening. Uh, I would say that there was a lot of seemed to be a lot of resilience in your game today. There was a couple of bogeys mixed in with some birdies and an eagle that stretch on the back nine from 11 on uh, those five holes there. How how did you manage the emotions of the ups and downs considering what was going on? (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't easy today, I I would say. I mean, I hit a really a lot of really good shots and I had a, you know, a couple stumbles, but, um, you know, just tried to stay with it. You know, I just, I knew I was playing well and hitting the ball. Well, I just told myself to just kind of keep sticking with it. And I was driving it great. I, I wanted to just kind of keep hitting the driver and be aggressive with my driver. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I kept giving myself really nice looks, you know, I didn't, uh, maybe hit the greatest butts coming in, but I, I hit some pretty good ones. I thought that, you know, had a chance to go in and, um, and then coming to 18, I knew what was happening on 18. I, I hit a really good drive. I, I didn't know John hit it in the water after I'd hit my tee shot, but I knew once I walked up there, uh, Billy Ray Brown said that uh, he had made a six, that, that he was putting for five. So um, I knew I needed to hit a nice salt shot. I, I hit it, put a ball back in my stance a little bit with an eight iron, hit a very, very solid eight iron, you know, 20 feet from the hole in 18. So it was good to finish like that. It, good to hit, you know, some quality shots coming in and hit some, uh, hit, hit, hit the targets that I was looking at. There was very little emotion from you as typical Mike Weir going around on the golf course, except when that ball landed on the 18th green, there was a fist pump. How, <laughs> how good did that feel? 
Yeah, it felt good. I mean, I, I knew that um, it was probably a seven iron to, to play safe and hit it, you know, past the hole. But for a lefty, the wind off the right, right to left, um, it was easy for that ball to get away, you know, kind of too far to the left. So I said to Tom, my caddy, I said, hey, I can, I'm swinging good. There's some adrenaline going here a little bit. So let's just put the ball back in my stance. I'm hitting a solid. I know I felt like I knew I'm going to hit a solid. So um, it was 160 yards or something and, and uh, hit, a, hit a really solid one. And finally, <clears throat> it's been a long time since you've been in the winner's circle. You've battled so many things. You've had so many struggles. You've never given up, though. How much does this win mean to you? Well, it means a great deal, Bob. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, I was telling the guys inside, uh, we were doing a little uh, uh, toast inside a little bit earlier. And, you know, you know, four or five years ago, I couldn't find a fairway. I couldn't hit a solid iron shot. And I couldn't make a putt. I mean, I was, I was very, really struggling. And, uh, you know, I, I put a really good team together and I got very, very focused. And, um, you know, so it feels very good to, to you know, kind of climb back out of it and, and dig out of it. And, and uh, this, this win, you know, I think when I, when I look back, this, this will be very, very meaningful. No doubt. All right. Congratulations, Mike Weir. Hopefully the first of many on the Champions Tour for you. Appreciate it, Wixie. Thank you. Congratulations, Mike, and Canada was so happy to see you back in the winner's circle, and so many people, actually, just not just Canada. There's He has such a long legacy on the PGA Tour, obviously a Masters champion. He's got friends all over the world that were thrilled to see him uh, get back to the winner's circle, knowing what he's had to put in, Bob, over the last five years or so, or more for that matter, to get to this point. Uh, obviously very gratifying when you put in all the hard work and it eventually comes back around. Um, it would have been very easy, Bob, to walk away, would it have not? And I know you, you, you know Mike pretty well. Was there ever a point where you thought that maybe Mike went, eh, you know what, maybe I'm not going to put in the hours, maybe I'm going to go a different path, do my winery, do this, do that, work on other things and walk away from the game? Or was this always he was never going to quit on this? I don't think it was in him to, to give up. I think he just felt that he could find a way. And this has been kind of what drives him and what has made him so successful is that he is just gets so focused and so determined and so um, into what he wants to do. And listen, there was there were some dark times. He's told me about it. He, you know, he hit uh, at one point he played from, from when he got injured the first time in 2010 through the end of the 2014 season, he played 87 PGA Tour events and he missed the cut 60 times and not by a little, <laughs> you know, those were some big, big ones. I remember being at the masters one time and Mike was at the peak of her, the bottom, I guess, of his, of his struggles. He hit a tee shot on the ninth hole that went head high into the crowd on the right, uh, maybe 80, 120 yards, something like that. The only thing he was able to do was hit a driver down to the bottom of the hill. And then he hit his magical wedge up to about two feet and made a par. But after that round, he was playing with Brant Snedeker, and Brant Snedeker said to me, he said, you know, if Mike Weir did not have one of the all-time greatest short games in the world, he might not have broken 90. So, um, you know, he just decided he was going to find a way, and it took a long time, but he did find a way, and now he's back in the winner's circle. And uh, back in the winner's circle, full of confidence. He's in great shape. It's a big victory. And they've got a lot of big events coming up this year on the Champions Tour ahead of them. They'll have a very busy summer. So now when we look at things like uh, major championship, Bob, and, and things of that nature. And this was not an easy setup 
from Champions Tour standpoints. This is a, a, a tournament where we have one person in double digits. This is not an 18-under, 20-under victory. Am I naive to, to, to kind of translate this or break this down, Bob, in the sense that maybe harder venues where par's a good score is going to lean Mike's way, thus major championships might lean Mike's way? Yeah, I think so. There's a major championship this week. Uh, the region's tradition, they start this week. They've got a, another tournament and, and another major in two more down the road. So uh, he's into his stretch now. I think they have like 13 majors on the Champions Tour. I might be a little lower <laughs> that. But they have, I, know, I think they have five. But, but yeah, I think, and I think Mike is playing um, and is filled with confidence right now. And that's, that, you know, confidence is something you can't, uh, you can't manufacture. Uh, but when you have it, boy, it's or you can't buy, I should say. But when you when you have it, it goes a long way in golf. All right, Mike, we're your winner. Brooke Henderson, your winner last week. Taylor Penrith, now a card holder on the PGA Tour. You know what, Bob? There's one tour missing in all this conversation. When's that coming? Maybe we'll get into that with Adam when he joins us later in the show. But it seems to me we're handing out lollipops on every level of the world of golf except one location. When's it happening next on the big tour? On the other side, someone headed to the big tour? Taylor Penrith went one-on-one with Bob. We'll hear from him next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino Weeks, Scully, all coming by. We're going to do the Mr. Butcher giveaway coming up in the next segment hundred dollar gift card for mr butcher of course all the winners at the end of the year go into a draw for a barbecue for you and nine of your friends this summer in august uh mr butcher backyard bash and uh the people from sandbag are going to jump in on that one of course the mr butcher hundred dollar gift card if you don't live in the greater gta please do not call in this is for greater gta only so if you're listening abroad on the tsn radio network outside of ontario or iHeartRadio or online at tsn.ca this is only for the tsn 1050 audience we're going to open up the phone lines in the next segment at 870-1050-870-1050 mr butcher hundred dollar Giveaway. All right. We just heard from Mike Weir, uh, our most recent winner on uh, in a uh, for Team Canada, of course, this time on the Champions Tour. Last week was Brooke Henderson on the LPGA. And Taylor Penrith, Bob, we kind of knew that he was going to make his way to the Corn Ferry Tour. I think the question a lot of us have now is, will Taylor Penrith be graduating by himself at the end of this Corn Ferry Tour season? Or will we have other Canadians joining him? Because he might not be a lone duck along the way. He might be the shoe-in, the lock, technically, that we already have. But there's other names uh, that are in, in, in the movie here. Yeah, Adam Svensson is the obvious one. He's in a good position after winning a few weeks ago. Uh, I think he could easily move up. And we also have to kind of, unfortunately, look at the prospect that some, some of the players may actually move down, the ones who are on the PGA Tour now. Uh, hopefully they can rally, and it's still a long season to go, and a lot of the tournaments that they will get into uh, are, are ahead. And uh, we had a nice finish from Michael Gligic on the weekend, so that's a, that's a positive yeah. step. So uh, it would be great to see if you could get eight, nine, maybe even ten Canadians 
on the PGA Tour next year, but uh, we'll wait and see. Ta Taylor Pendrith, for me, is just a question of, uh, A, can he stay healthy, which I think he's figured out, and B, uh, wow, what kind of damage can he do out there on the big tour? All right, well, obviously on the big tour right now, Corey Connors is by far easily the best current male Canadian on the PGA Tour. He's the one. He, he didn't have a great week this week, and yet he still had a decent finish. Um, we will talk a little bit about what's going on with the rest of our Canadians because they are not trending in the right direction at the moment. A couple of missed cuts as well from uh, from Hadwin, from Hughes, where I think both players that we thought might be uh, getting ready to peak right now uh, may be struggling a little bit. Before we get to that, though, Taylor Penrith officially stamped his ticket to the PGA Tour last week. He spoke with Bob. Here's Taylor Pendrith and uh, the newly minted official, finally, uh, PGA Tour member. And, I mean, I think we knew this was coming and it was sort of a fait accompli. But what does it mean for you to get to that 1,700-point mark, which the Corn Ferry Tour calls the fail-safe, which has guaranteed you a spot next year on the PGA Tour? What does that mean? Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's finally official, I guess, uh, in their words, which is great. I feel like I've known for since last year that I've kind of – played really nice golf, uh, last year and, and, uh, had accumulated enough points to, um, not drop outside the top 25, but for it to be official, it's awesome. Um, uh, you know, it was a dream of mine growing up, uh, playing golf and, uh, to make it to the PGA tour and, uh, to finally get there, it's going to feel awesome. So I, I just can't wait to play my first event as a PGA tour member. It's taken you a while to get there. As you said, uh, you'll be 30 when you tee off in your first official PGA tour event as a member. Were there times along the way where you thought it might not happen? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've battled some injuries in the past and um, which has kind of caused me to kind of jump up and down tours and had to go back to the McKenzie tour a few times and, and really just focus on that. And um, you know, I finished second on the order of merit there a few years ago and, and that got me back here and uh, just continued the good play and, and was able to kind of get on a run there in the midsummer and, and have some really nice finishes. But for sure there was times where, you know, I didn't know what to do. I, I felt like my golf game was great, but I wasn't able to practice the way I wanted to. And um, my shoulder and arm and hand and wrist and everything was kind of going and I didn't know <laughs> if I could sustain it, but um yeah everything's been feeling really good for the last couple of years and uh the results have have kind of showed that i want to go back to a time i came to visit you when you were at kent state university and uh, your coach herb page there took us around and we followed you and Corey, your roommate at the time and you guys were in the gym one morning and uh cory was really grinding it out really really working hard you, I'm going to say we're not quite as dedicated as it looked on that morning, perhaps for some reason. Herb Page kind of said, said that if this guy ever gets his commitment together, he's going to be a world beater. Is that a fair statement? Do you think that from the time you were at university, which was a long time ago, that maybe you've uh, worked harder, committed more, figured things out, battled a little bit harder? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I was naturally, I guess, gifted of hitting the ball far and didn't do any kind of weight training or any of, of that before I got to university. And, um, I, Corey, I guess was a little more dedicated because he was a little shorter than I was back then. And he, <laughs> it's helped him for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, in the past few years, I've, I've kind of really focused on injury prevention stuff and, and making sure my body's moving the right way just because, you know, over the past four or five years, I've had, you know, very various different 
things pop up and it's annoying. You know, you play one, one week and you're feeling good. And then the next week you, you're, you're sore and you can't swing properly. And, um, it affects you for sure. And so I think the last year and a half really I've, I've kind of focused more on that side of, of the golf game and not so much lifting heavy weights and trying to hit the ball further. Cause I, I would rather hit the ball shorter and straighter, which I have been, uh, but it's still, still long, but just more focusing on my body and trying to, you know, not get injured and sustain a, a good long career. Uh, going on at you are as a mature age at 30 and probably uh, a little older than most PGA tour rookies. Do you think that'll give you a benefit having sort of been through everything in the past and now being a little bit more mature, more mature? There's, there's nothing, there's not really anything that's going to surprise you when you get there. Is there? Yeah, I think I've, I've experienced a lot in the professional golf, uh, circuit, you know, I've been at it for, I guess, eight years and, um, have just kind of learned how to travel and how to manage my time properly and, um, how to play practice rounds, what I like to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, you know, where to, where to stay, where to travel, but it's going to be a new, uh, new experience. It's going to be new cities, new golf courses. So I'm going to have to learn all that, but <clears throat> obviously I would have liked to be a rookie a lot many years before this, but, um, it's all good. And, um, I've kind of embraced everything and just really happy to, to, you know, lock up the card and, and super excited to, to play that first event as a member. You've also got some, uh, some other personal stuff going on. I know it's a big time for you in your life. You're getting married to Meg and give us an update on, uh, on the wedding plans and how that, how's that's going and, uh, and all the other changes that you're going, maybe you're, I don't know if you're still living in Corey's basement or <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of wedding planning to be honest, but she's grinding away at it. And, uh, it's tough with the border being closed and, um, she can't obviously come down here as often as she liked or at all really because, uh, of the quarantine and I can't go home. I, I would love to come back to Canada, uh, in an off week, uh, maybe once golf course is open, but, um, you know, I'm unable to do that, but yeah, lots of good things happening this year. Uh, we're getting married. Hopefully you get a house, move out of Corey's, uh, basement and, uh, yeah, just kind of start our journey, I guess. So, um, lots to look forward to. You still got a lot of corn fairy tour play left. How do you stay focused on that? Knowing what's at the end coming in, uh, not too far down the, the, the calendar. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great that I've kind of got, I guess the freedom of, um, knowing that I won't drop outside the top 25, but there's a ton to play for. Um, my goal is to try and get that number one spot, um, on the order of merit, uh, the points list. And, um, you know, it does a lot for you in the following year you get, you know, you're fully exempt. Um, so that's a goal. Uh, I still haven't got a win out here. So that's, um, I guess that's my priority is, is trying to get a win and hopefully everything will take care of itself. But, uh, it's nice to know that I've got a place to play next year and, um, yeah, can't, couldn't be more excited. All right, Taylor, congratulations on, uh, on a great achievement and, uh, welcome to the PGA tour, I guess. Right on. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Taylor Pendrith, your newest member of Team Canada on the PGA Tour. Still things to play for, as you heard there. Still things to always remember, that all the talent in the world without the hard work doesn't amount to anything uh, in this world. And until he put the dedication in and, and the work in, uh, it didn't really happen. And now he's a very mature rookie on the PGA Tour. Uh, we had that same conversation with Michael Glickick about a year and a half ago about him kind of being mature headed to the PGA Tour. Michael is one of those players now, Bob, inside the 125. You alluded to Canadians 
outside the 125 on the PGA Tour. And taking a look at that 125 right now, Nick Taylor at 138 on the outside looking in, 144, Roger Sloan, 148, David Hearn. The good news is we do have Michael Glickick, uh, Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, and Mackenzie Hughes all well inside the top 125 at the moment. Not the performance, though, that we were expecting this week from Hughes and Hadwin. What, what do you make from that this week, Bob? Especially at a golf course where we know Adam's played well in the past. Yeah, I'm not still not overly concerned with either of those two. I think they've, uh, they've got enough uh, smarts and enough talent that, uh, that they'll put things together. I know Adam is working with a new coach, relatively new coach, uh, going back to last year's U.S. Open in the fall. And he's, he's trying to get things dialed in there a little bit. So I'm not too worried about that. I think, I think, as I said, when I picked him last week in one of my value picks, I think that there's going to be kind of a clicking. Everything's going to finally just click in like a lock and it's going to spring open. So I'm not too worried. And same thing with Mackenzie Hughes. And we don't have to worry about Nick Taylor, obviously, after his win last year at Pebble. You know, he's got a couple of years exemption. Uh, Roger Sloan and David Hearn have some work to do and uh, and hopefully as I said this is the time of year when they'll start getting into tournaments as a lot of players take some time off in the summer uh, I expect to see them you know play as much as they can and uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that they can uh, they can get in there all right let's do that because more uh, the more flags are on the board the more opportunities for victories strength in numbers on the other side we're going to open up the phone lines 870-1050 870 open up the phone lines Mr. Butcher $100 giveaway. We're going to bring in Adam Scully. We're going to get an update on our attempts to get someone from Ford Nation to uh, join the show and have a conversation with us. We're also going to get an update on 20 weeks of TaylorMade as the draw is only open for a few more hours. We'll get an update from Adam for that. And I'll update you on my attempts to rent Corey Connors' basement now that Taylor Penrith is moving out. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Hour two. Lots coming up in hour two. We've got a winner's word of what? Kevin Thistle, CEO PGA of Canada, coming by. Give us a little update on the State of the Union from their standpoint with what's happening in the province of Ontario. We'll hear from Sam Burns, the winner of the Valspar. Of course, Adam Scully going to jump in with us. And speaking of Adam Scully, we're going to jump in right now. But before we welcome in Adam Scully, let's give away a $100 gift card. First correct caller, 870-1050, 870-1050. First correct caller, we want to know, Mike Weir, he just won his first ever Champions Tour victory yesterday. Weir's back in the winner's circle. How many shots did Weir win by? That's what we want to know. His first career Champions Tour victory. We just want to know how many shots did Mike Weir win by? 870-1050, gift card. Okay, Skulls, what's going on, brother? First of all, how are you? Okay, you hanging in there? Gentlemen, good to be with you both. Another great weekend for Canadian golf. We were debriefing Brooke Henderson's win last week, and now we have Mike Weir. And now hopefully we'll be playing golf in Ontario sometime soon. 
Who knows? Oh, is that foreshadowing? Do you know something we don't? Okay, before we get there, uh, I want to, well, I need to bring in Bob about his pizza balls. But before we get to the pizza <laughs> balls, I need to know from you how it's going with the Premier's office. Because I know there was some form of communication at, at, uh, at the Premier's office uh, for someone making a, an appearance on Golf Talk Canada. Yeah, so I decided to reach out to the Premier's office after the press conference on Friday after there was no discussion at all about reopening any outdoor recreational activities, including golf. And I will read the response, part of it, which I did tweet out. Uh, the public health measures we have introduced are designed to reduce mobility and limit the risk of transmission in order to stabilize and protect our health system as we continue to vaccinate Ontarians as quickly as supply allows. Everyone should continue adhering to public health measures and stay at home as much as possible. So that's the response I received. So in return, I said, hey, we would love to have someone from the office, perhaps Premier Ford, on our show on Monday to educate us. Tell us if there's something we're missing out, if there's something that the entire golf community in Ontario doesn't know about that, you know, we would love to learn and educate our audience as well. I did not hear back. So the journey continues to try to get Premier Ford on golf. And I think that's a very, very important note to hit on because obviously if you go on the social media world, there's a lot of angry people that are just screaming for blood. That is not what this is. That's not what we're uh, trying to do. Are we frustrated? Of course we're frustrated. We're part of the golf industry. We make our living attached to the golf industry. Friends and family make their living according to the golf industry. We believe we collectively hit a home run. Yes, we're frustrated, but this is not come on the show so we can attack you. No, come on the show so you can just try to help us understand what's going on. And then if there's new information, maybe we change our minds. And if we change our minds, maybe our listeners change their minds. I don't know. And if there isn't new information, then shame on you. Then you've made the wrong choice. And you need to admit when you've made a mistake and right you're wrong. Okay, enough of the soapbox. <laughs> Bob, you got pizza balls. Let's get to some real information. We, we were unaware that Mr. Butcher did things other than just, you know, the best meat going. You dove into, you, you know, you, you basically what you did is you took one for the team. And like most good reporters do, okay, most good reporters, they kind of go and they, they break down barriers and break down doors of where other people are not willing to go. You did this. You Geraldo Rivera the pizza balls. So how did it go? Give us the pizza ball experience. Yeah, well, you remember the story was a, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about stuff and I said, well, it's only, if only Mr. Butcher had uh, pizza because I love pizza and lo and behold he does so we got a couple of pizza balls and I made it on uh, Friday night handmade pizza I had to go on to YouTube and look at a few videos of how to do it and I didn't get it spinning up in the air or anything but I did have it uh, properly uh, pulled out and, you know for me I don't know about you guys but for me the pizza crust is probably the most important part of a good pizza Ooh. and this was spectacular we had a really really good pizza and i loved it and uh thank goodness i ordered a couple of pizza balls because i'm going to have the other one uh probably this friday night but uh very good we ordered i ordered all sorts of stuff uh we ordered racks of lamb we had uh i actually ordered a big bag of nathan's hot dogs oh yeah get at the, at the ballparks and yep. uh some some steaks obviously and we got some scallops coming and some brownies so uh 
you know, yeah. look look deep into look deep into Mr. Butcher's um, uh, menu because it's not just steaks. There's all sorts of great stuff well, there. Hold on, are you throwing a super spreader? You didn't invite Adam and I because that's a lot of food. They're going to be hungry. Know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the barbecue is going to get a workout, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, no, that is awesome. That is great stuff. Uh, and congratulations to Steve Bollinger. Steve Bollinger, you win the Mr. Butcher hundred dollar gift card because you knew that Mike Weir won by two shots in his first ever Champions Tour victory uh, yesterday. Adam, um, 20 weeks of TaylorMade, only a couple hours left. What are we giving away this week? Okay, so I know in Ontario we're not playing golf yet, but when we do, you're going to need some golf balls. How about winning six dozen TP5 or TP5X golf balls? For some, that might be their golf balls for the entire year. Some might be two years, three years. Some might be two weeks. Who knows? But six dozen. All you have to do, follow Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram. Follow TaylorMade Canada on Twitter and Instagram. Tag your golfing buddies. You're in a draw to win six dozen golf balls. You'll love to see it. Ammo. Well, six dozen golf balls. Bob, if you're a member at the National, that's like a month. Ooh. A month of golf balls. If you remember. <laughs> yeah. If I was a member of the National, that might be like 36 <laughs> holes. I don't know. It could be. We have to see. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, hour two, uh, we're going to switch gears a little. Uh, back to what's happening more locally in the province. We'll speak to uh, Kevin Thistle, who is the CEO of the PGA of Canada, Let, let's go with what we know to tee this up. So off the top of the show, uh, you heard Bob express that the large concern right now, or one of the large concerns right now, is mobility. They don't want people driving around uh, from one region to the other region playing golf. Why they don't want that, I personally am confused. We'd like to hear about that because the, the rules in each region are the same. Um, so I'm confused about that, but that seems to be some type of sticking point that they're talking about. Um, we also know that they are in meetings as we speak, likely virtual meetings, I would assume, but we know that there is discussions happening as we speak. The other thing that we believe we know that we have found out in the last 50 minutes is we are under the impression that I will use under the impression. I will not use we know this because uh, what we know is what we've already told you. We are under the impression that some type of announcement slash information directly related to outdoor activities like golf is coming in the next 48 hours. I can't tell you if this is good news. I can't tell you if this is bad news. I can tell you that it'll finally be uh, acknowledged directly because we have yet to have that, Bob, and all the pressers and whatnot there's been dancing around it, but we have not heard real direct questions and these activities uh, uh, basically addressed directly like some of the other issues that they've been tackling in the last seven days. We expect something direct in the next 48 hours. Yeah, I tried to actually get on the press conference on Friday. That was a, uh, a bad, mm. <laughs> that was not going to fly anywhere. They want, and understandably, they want Queen's Park reporters uh, on there. I don't think they wanted, they Obviously, they knew what my question was going to be. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, listen, let's just sit and wait. I, I think the one thing that everyone has got to do is start say, stop saying, oh, yeah, I heard a rumor this or I heard a rumor that or, or put, you know, put expectations out there. Because at this point, let's face it, nobody knows. I don't even think the people who are going to make the decisions know because they haven't made a decision. So everyone stay calm. 
we'll keep we'll let this uh, play out and uh, hopefully what we hear is uh, in the next 48 hours is good news but we don't know that yet a hundred percent a hundred percent and that, and that's uh a lot of great things about social media but uh, a lot of horrible things about social media too and that's one of them right they just people spinning stuff under control everybody wants to be the first everybody wants to know more than the other person we're not going to do that here on golf talk canada we're going to tell you what we know and what we anticipate uh, based on some information. And that's all we're going to tell you because we don't know anything else than what we've already told you. And uh, obviously, if we knew more, we would tell you. And hopefully our next guest might be able to shed a little light on what his association's been told because obviously he represents nationally all the members of the PGA of Canada that work in our golf shops, that help our industry move forward, that created uh, one of the main spokes in the wheel that created such a safe environment on the golf course last year for golf to be enjoyed. And they're in their AGM this morning. And obviously he has a big stake in the ground, so to speak, in this province of Ontario with uh, the largest chapter in the country operating here in the province of Ontario and those people not being able to go to work right now. Uh, and for all the people, to Bob's point on social media, screaming and yelling and this and that, uh, and talking about this being a, a, you know, a white entitled sport and yada yada and all the garbage and the crap you hear 24-7, let's try to not forget that people pay their bills and, th- and a lot of this is people's livelihood and they've been told they can't go to work and they can't earn a living or they can't do this depending on what your situation is at your golf club. And that's really a huge, huge part of the story. Yeah. You want to go play golf, get it. Yeah, you want to go hit golf balls, whatever. I get it. There's people right now that uh, we're planning on opening up their courses and making their living that aren't doing so. A lot of these employees are, are, are seasonal, and this is their time to make hay, and it's not happening. So we will get an update on the other side from Kevin Thistle, CEO, PGA of Canada. Of course, winners, winner, what coming up? Sam Burns, Valspar. We'll do it all in hour two of Golf Talk Canada. Coming up next. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Uh, hour two, Bob, Adam, myself. We're just waiting to connect with Kevin Thistle, the PGA of Canada CEO. Bob, I got I got to ask you because maybe I mis- misspoke or mistaken because that wasn't my intent. There was a gentleman, uh, David Ross, if he's still listening this morning. Uh, I think he misunderstood what I was saying off the top of the show, and it's just been brought to my attention here on social media, suggesting that I have suggested in the past that the Canadian golf community break the laws or something along those lines. Uh, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me. 
Uh, that is not what I have suggested in the past, nor what I am suggesting. What I'm suggesting is we have 3 million voters that are golfers and 6.5 billion towards the province, and that that type of weight carries weight, and that we can aggressively push back at the province is what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting law-breaking or choosing to break laws or anything along those lines. So I want to clarify that if that's how that was interpreted. And I don't believe I've ever suggested anything like that in the past. So again, David, if you're listening, I apologize if that's how you took that. That was not the intent. What the intent is that industries that carry weight should be pushing back when science and doctors are saying it's safe. I think that is a very fair comment. I think I think what you actually said was that we should get flaming torches and pitchforks and uh, meet in front of Queens Park. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? Yeah, that's uh, that is not what I'm saying. Although I would like to go down and okay. just play a par three on the front lawn. That would be fun. Yeah, if we put a T block, a thing on the, on the front lawn. So, all right, welcoming to the program now one of the people who uh, represents one of the large uh, stakeholders in uh, the country in the game of golf that I'm sure is getting pulled into many things that are provincial at the moment. Friend of ours, friend of the shows, Kevin Thistle, CEO, PJ Canada. Kevin, how are you this morning? And how did the AGM go? It was great, yeah. I just got off the line a couple minutes ago. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks, Mark and Bob. Always great to be on with you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Kevin, just want to start with the the pulse and the tone of your association. As I said off the top of the show, you know, your association should be very proud of what they were able to accomplish last year. And I listed the PGA of Canada professionals, the superintendents, the everybody that, that created an environment day-to-day for the Canadian golf community to feel safe and in my ter- in, in my words hit a home run uh when it came to providing a safe golf experience what's in the province of Ontario? what's their spirits like now considering what they were able to accomplish last year and the current position we're in you know i think the spirits are pretty good last year what we have about 22 million rounds in ontario and you know hard to tell but we're we're not uh, not one case of COVID was attributed to golf and then, you know, they put all the protocols in place. We were out in front of the curve, like, you know, NAGA or We Are Golf, even We Are Golf Ontario did a fantastic job. That's the associations you just talked to about, including the National Golf Course Owners Association and Golf Canada. The protocols were fine. So this year, when we got closed down there, and we're, and we're in that uh, situation right now, there's a little disappointment, but we know that we're a safe sport. Uh, the medical community has told us we're a safe sport. We know we'll be, built, we'll be opening sooner than later. I, I mean that sincerely. We will be opening sooner than later. But we know that we can, we can uh, uh, play our sport and keep the golfers safe. So a little disappointment right now, a short disappointment. But uh, we know we'll be open soon, and we're, we're happy to bring the golfers back on because we know the protocols are in place. And, and if anything, we're, we're better prepared this year than we were last year. And last year, like you said, it was a home run for sure. Kevin, what about the individual members who were there? Because they obviously, these are people who have jobs. And I know, for instance, uh, teaching professionals, they've just sort of lost two weeks of, uh, of, of, of revenue that they would normally have at the busiest time of the year. How is the association and, and how, what are you dealing with that? And what do you hear from those people out there who, let's, let's face it, they may be struggling a little bit? Yes, they are. And, and, and there's a couple things we, we put into place. You know, we put into, you know, with our... Uh, our annual dues and stuff, we put in payment plans to help them out. And they know that, you're right, Bob, good point on the, on the teachers and coaches, because two weeks they're losing, and that's prime two weeks. You know, they're not as busy in October as they are in April. April, 
May because everyone's getting excited for the coming golf season. So they know that once we get through this, hopefully we're, we're going to be open quite, you know, quite soon, and then they'll be as busy as ever. So there, there is some things we're doing for them, like we're, we're always doing free education we're giving them. We're also doing, uh, like I said, the payment plans, et cetera, just for their dues. But, you know, they're, they're the ones that probably get hit the most. It's more the, um, uh, the teachers, the coaches who are in their busiest time of year, and right now they're on hold for a couple of weeks. Uh, Kevin, you alluded that we might be open uh, sooner than what you think. I obviously, you know, not asking you to speak out of school or out of class or anything like that, but uh, what has led you to believe that you think there's progress being made or, or is it just optim- optimistic based on the fact that you know conversations are actually happening? Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, if there was anything concrete, and that's why sometimes we get called out for, for, for telling us what we know well, we know exactly what everyone else knows. We, we turn the radio on at 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. and we, we listen to the updates. But there's just been great conversations going on for, for weeks now and, and very, very positive. Uh, I believe the, uh, uh, the community that's involved understands that we are safe sport. They understand that um, we could be one of the first to open up because we can, we've shown that we, uh, we can allow the public, allow the golfers to return and, and, and keep them safe. So that's where the optimism comes from. It comes from just the tones of the conversations, the acknowledgement that, yes, we are safe, and the acknowledgement that, you know, we would be one of the first uh, to open. It's, it's you know, I, I play baseball, uh, slow pitch with my friends, and, and that is not as, uh, as easy a sport to open as golf would be. So we just, you know, know that, if there's going to be an opening of sorts that we will be uh, one of the first sports to open uh, be- because of the track record. And that, and that's, it's just more the tone of the conversations that are happening right now. Kevin, we've got to ask you about one of your members who accomplished something wonderful yesterday, Mike Weir. What, uh, what, what, what goes through your mind when you see Mike Weir returning to the winner's circle? Oh, amazing. It, you know, I think it was 13. He made that eagle. After 12, he made a, what the commentators, I wouldn't say it, the commentators said we're a bad bogey. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. It, it was just like re-watching the, the, the Masters, just a look in his eye. Just You knew he was in control. He hit that shot on 13, and he, and he just had it. You know, he's been so close. Uh, what, this is 14th event, I believe? He's been so close. But I just knew from 13 he was going to win. He just had that. I've, I've said to a lot of people, because I've played with him a couple times, where he's got that, you know, uh, that mentality when he's got it going, he just he'll put it, his spikes on your throat kind of thing. Even though he's the nicest guy in the world, he will not let up. He, and I knew he was destined for for greatness yesterday. So yeah, very very exciting to watch that yesterday. Uh, Kevin, uh, in terms of your schedule now moving forward for the year, because obviously PGA of Canada had a lot of things on the calendar, uh, and you know you obviously want to don't want to put a line through this season. Where, where are you with your calendar, and how challenging has it been? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of moving parts. Uh, one thing, our national championships, you know, we were going to have our, our, our women's championships sort of in June, and, and we're, we're, we're always looking 8 to 10 to 12 weeks out, so we have delayed that. We have not canceled that. We've delayed that. A lot of our other events we have moved back. So national championships, we're hoping all will be a go, but they'll be later, like August, September, October sort of thing. Also, our RBC PG of Canada scramble, which is a – a huge success for us where we match the amateurs with the, with the professionals. We've had some events that were supposed to start in Ontario already. And those we have, we have put back to 
Um, you know, if we get opened between now and May 20th, we're pretty good. But there is a lot of events that have been planned between now and May 20th that will have to be rescheduled. So uh, no cancellations as of now, but a lot of uh, a lot of schedule changing for sure. And with our national champions, uh, the thing about that is that, of course, requires interprovincial travel and, and you know, uh, uh, if I can say cross-border travel with the with the uh, provinces, those are being delayed as long as possible. Kevin uh, Adam Scully here. I, I had to come in and give a f- uh, final comment before we let you go. Uh, yes, golfers in Ontario are locked down and shut down right now. We, we're not playing yet, and hopefully, like you've mentioned, we are playing very soon. But I must give you a special shout out, and this is a personal shout out because last July I got to play with you for the first time ever uh, at TPC Osprey Valley. And I was, I was playing very well, and you helped me. You were almost like a caddy to me as I was sort of – my nerves were all over the place. I ended up shooting one under par at <laughs> TPC awesome. Osprey Valley. So, Kevin, I have to thank you, first of all, and I hope we can play together at some point this summer. I'd love, to, I'd love to play again. It was amazing, and it was easy to caddy for you because you were about 90 yards ahead of me, so I had lots of time <laughs> to walk with you. So, so I had lots of time to walk with you. It was great. That is uh, that is unbelievable that uh, you are, are catting <coughs> your way around for Scully here, Kev, because, you know, I always say your biggest claim to fame was, you know, that you gave me my first golf lesson when I was 10 years old back in 1985 at Seton Golf Club. But now, apparently, your biggest claim to fame is getting Scully under par for the first time ever. So amazing how these things completely... <laughs> <laughs> change constantly Kev good to hear your voice I hope you and your family are well and uh, uh, great job trying to negotiate and navigate these waters as you and, and all the other stakeholders in the game of golf and hopefully we get some good news but uh, regardless uh, hope to see you at some point uh, soon and, and next time speaking about uh, things more positively hopefully than where we currently are Absolutely will. And I look forward to seeing the three of you real soon. Thanks so much as always having me on. Thanks, Kev. Kevin Thistle, PGA of Canada, CEO. And uh, you know what? Like, again, cup half full. We're not going to speculate as we suggested earlier or whatnot. But nice to know that there's conversations happening, right? Conversations, lease engagement. Nothing nothing ever gets better or, or ever gets fixed if there's not conversations happening at the table in any walk of life. So good that... Uh, people are talking and discussing, etc. Okay, on the other side, we're going to dive into the Valspar. Sam Burns uh, finally gets it done. Um, kind of, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, you saw this coming, saw this coming, but it, you can't, you know, until you get it done the first time, it's hard to get over the hump. He got over the hump of the Valspar. We'll hear from the champion next. We'll take a deeper look at the leaderboard. And somebody's name who's just leaping out of the page at, at, at yours truly right now that, would be very hard to ignore at the upcoming major in a couple of weeks at Keough Island. We'll get to see if Bob and Adam feel the same way about how I feel about Victor Hovland. All coming up next, this is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. All right, boys, Valspar in the books. Man, that golf course is awesome. Uh, 
I am surprised we got it as deep as 17 under, but, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, they didn't do, I guess because it's later in the season than normal for this event, that typically when it's part of the Florida swing, the, the regular Florida swing and the overseed's still in, the, the, the rough around this golf course is a lot more lush. It was brown and thin. Bob, is this as brown and as thin as you've ever seen it? Because for me, I was a little surprised at that. I was thinking of the same thing. I couldn't really remember it being that way. And the greens, I think, had a little different tinge to them as well uh, that I didn't really remember seeing on this. And as you you say, you're right. It's it's a little bit later. I think it's changing dates again next year. But um, listen, it's still, it's still a hard golf course no matter what what's going on out there. But Sam Burns played some pretty exceptional golf out there. That's uh, that's cr- all credit to him. Did Sam Burns win this, Bob? And I'm going to go to the, Adam for the same question, too, uh, just before we hear from Sam Burns. Did Sam Burns win this, or did Ke- Keegan Bradley give it to him? Yeah, I mean, listen, Keegan struggled down that back that backside there, that double, and then a bogey on the par three on 15. I, uh, I, I never like to say that somebody lost the tournament, but it could have been a lot closer than it certainly was. I mean, you just look at those three shots there, and that's the difference. It would have been nice to see Keegan come through again. He's uh, got a good uh, Toronto boy in Scotty Vale on the bag as his caddy. But listen, Sam Burns played great golf. He shot uh, he shot four great rounds, and uh, and he deserves to be holding the trophy, including that that Friday. What was it? Sixty three, I think he shot on Friday, which is pretty spectacular. Yeah, sixty three on Friday. And Adam, I want same question to you. Uh, and with the exception of Victor Hovland, who went off on Sunday with a sixty five, with the exception of Hovland. Sam Burns was better than anybody else really in contention on this leaderboard on Sunday. So even though Bradley gave up the gift with the tee ball at the par 3 13th, at the end of the day, Sam Burns, with the exception again of Hovland, who went off, best on this leaderboard on Sunday. Yeah, 100%. You go back to the past chances he's had this season. You think of the Genesis Invitational. He had that huge lead. You know, obviously the conditions were very tough there before giving that up. The Safeway Open as well had a really good chance to win. This is a guy, one of the top young guys on the PGA Tour. You look at, you know, Max Homa, and that was two two career PGA Tour wins. He was also in the mix. Uh, Another guy I was looking at all week, Abraham Anser, still looking for that first PGA Tour win. He was right there, but Sam Burns outplayed all of them. Um, It's kind of funny how golf works, though. You know, Sam Burns had this great stretch. Uh, but cutting into this tournament, three missed cuts in a T39. It's sort of, it's funny how golf works that way, but congrats to Sam Burns, that first career PJ Tour victory. Yeah, first victory, came close throughout the year, came really close at L.A. earlier in the year. He's played so well, hits it a mile. Let's hear from the most recent PJ Tour winner, Sam Burns. It's just, uh, I mean, we worked so hard for this moment. Um, just to have them here, uh, they've all sacrificed so much. Uh, my wife has been by my side through all of it, my whole family. Um, just the sacrifices they made with me growing up. Uh, it's really a dream come true. I, it's always the dream to become a PGA Tour winner, but I think it's always that question mark of if I can do it and when can I do it. You have come close a lot of times. When did you know this week that I could do this? I think, uh, you know, those moments in the past, they just, you know, they test you and, and they really you really learn a lot from them and so I think you know this week coming down the stretch uh, we started the back nine I just tried Travis and I just tried to stick to our process um, and and I think that was the biggest thing is I got away from that a little bit in the past um, 
And so really just focusing on that. Uh, you know, big thanks to Callaway Golf. Uh, you know, my driver really performed this week, um, Adidas. Uh, and just really all, everybody who's behind him. Uh, so many people to thank. Um, you know, my coach back home, Brad Pullen. Uh, we've been working together for 10 plus years and uh, he's a big reason for this. All right, now 14th on the FedEx Cup points list, we have a new winner, a first-time winner on the PGA Tour in Sam Burns, and another young guy that hits it an absolute mile. Okay, I teased something off the top, uh, excuse me, on the previous side of the break. Victor Hovland, guys, 65 Hovland this week. It's a tie for third. I am trying to find his recent performances here because it seems to me that Victor Hovland almost never finishes now outside the top 10. It's unbelievable. We are two weeks away from a major championship at Keough Island. Where are you guys on, on, on Victor Hovland? Because I'm hearing, I'm hearing the both sides of this coin here. I'm hearing that he constantly puts himself in the mix, and it's just inevitable that he's going to add an, a big win soon and kind of join that Morikawa you know, hey, I just put a major on the board at a young age. But I'm also hearing that there's still too many mental errors, too too much maturity ready to go. Is he on your list right now? Bob, if we were drafting today five players for the PGA Championship, is Victor Hovland on your radar? Uh, I think he'd be outside it right now. I don't think he has quite enough of the experience of getting into the fire in a major championship in terms of going down the stretch with a guy who's been there before, a Justin Thomas, a Dustin Johnson, a, something like that. I mean, let's let's face it, majors are bigger and they're different than regular tour events. And I still think Victor Hovland, to me, is a super talented golfer, uh, but he seems like this wide-eyed kid kind of at the fair trying to figure out which ride he's going to go on first. It's sort of, I think he needs to get a little maturity in his game and in his uh, approach to the game that, uh, that I... It may be there, but I haven't really seen it yet. But uh, but I think down the line, yes. Is he going to be there in the next major in uh, coming up later at the PGA? I don't see that yet. Well, to your point, Bob, the only missed cut in the last dozen starts or so is the Players' Championship. Mm-hmm. But there is a T21 at the Masters. Adam, he wins in Mayakoba in December, the victory in Mayakoba. Since the win in Mayakoba... T2 at the Farmers Insurance Open, T5 at Genesis, T2 at the Workday Championship WGC. Recently, T3 at Valspar, T25 New Orleans, T21 Masters. I mean, constantly putting himself in the mix. Are you more on the wide-eyed youngster or are you on the this-is-inevitable train? See, for me, I'm making comparisons to Victor Hovland and Ricky Fowler. In the sense, you know, both young guys, obviously Fowler's a little, little older now and has struggled. But Victor Hovland's had some issues taking away that high score. You know, at the WGC workday, he made a quadruple bogey in the second round, still finished T2. At the Masters, he made a triple bogey on his first hole and still came T21. So if he can avoid those high numbers, uh, he's someone, as we like to say, for some value, looking at the PGA Championship, He'd probably be a pretty good value pick. He's played in three major championships. He's made all three cuts in those major championships. Came T13 at the U.S. Open. Obviously, those conditions were very difficult. Uh, but for Victor Hovland, you know, as well, he mentioned one of his uh, earlier on how, quote-unquote, his chipping sucked. 
and it, that's the way he, he put it after he won. It looks like that shored up a little bit. So, you know, for Victor, for Victor Hovland, he's had these great stretches, you know, as he mentioned, four rounds in the 60s at Valspar. Looking ahead to the PGA Championship, I'd say for me, he's around maybe top seven, maybe not quite top five, but he's certainly in the mix. You know, it's interesting you bring up the chipping. And earlier this week, I hosted another one of those uh, MasterCard virtual pro-ams for the PGA Tour. And it was Sam Burns on Tuesday evening and, and Justin Rose. Those were the two pros. And we were talking about Keough Island and we were talking about the upcoming major and the grasses around Keough Island. And they both suggested that uh, unlike European Lynx golf, uh, uh, this North American version of Lynx golf, that the grass used at Kiowa Island, the ball sits up perfect at Kiowa. It's like it's on a tee around the greens. And because it's almost impossible to get a bad lie and, and, and the ball's on a tee around the greens, that your percentages in scrambling at Kiowa, even with the wind being up the way it's, it's intended to be up, because the lies are so good, that they anticipate that your scrambling numbers are going to be have to be much higher. So in other words, you know, if you consider a normal good scrambling week 80%, then you're going to have to be 90, 92% that week if you're going to compete because if you're not getting up and down 90 plus percent of the time, you're giving shots away to the rest of the field. Where normally if you're, you know, if you're somewhere in the 80% range in, in a major like that, maybe you're happy. Uh, I wonder if that helps a Victor Hovland. I wonder if it helps a player like that where we collectively say eh, it needs to be better around the greens, needs to be better. Maybe a Corey Connors falls into that equation. Like, I don't know. Do you think Do you think it being such an easy environment for the short game? And I don't want to use the word easy is not the right way, but because some pros, Bob, might translate this the other way. They go, oh, my God, if I'm not getting up and down all the time, the pressure of that, it's too much pressure on their short game because the, ex, the you know, expectations are too high. Do you think it helps a guy with a weaker short game or you think that extra pressure kind of goes the other way? Because it is a very much a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to pick, you know, which side. I think it's specific to, to what a player's strengths and weaknesses are. Like you were just talking about with Hovland, you know, his scrambling. He's 92nd in scrambling. He's, uh, uh, I think he's 102nd or 3rd in, in strokes game putting. Um, so it might not play into a guy like him into his forte or into his strengths that as much. But I, I think, I, I don't know if you can get away with anything at uh, a Kiowa there. It's such a, such a brutal test, especially if the wind comes up. Uh, it's not easy. You can't, you, you gotta have every, every arrow in the bag. I tell you just to get it around that course, but I, I see what you're, what you're driving at. And, and I think there's probably something there. It'd be interesting to see when it's all over. If that, if that does play out. Going to be very interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see that major in a couple of weeks also because we've yet to see Kiowa Island in May as a major venue, right? We've seen it in August, and it's a little calmer and a little nicer in August than it is in May. Not a ton, but the winds are certainly up more in May. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays in May versus August. I'd love to see it firm as well. I don't know if we're going to get it or not, but we're a couple of weeks for that. And not only are we a couple of weeks from that, we've got some hard golf coming up, guys, the next couple of weeks. This week, Wells Fargo. We'll break that down on Golf Talk Canada TV this week. Take a look at Wells Fargo. Big names in the field. Uh, should be a really interesting, interesting tournament. Of course, uh, Wells Fargo wasn't played last year to, due to the pandemic. So Max Homa 
defending champion from 2019, defending his title. And Homa had a, a decent week, a rough Sunday at the Valspar, but a decent week is he peaking to defend his championship. On the other side, three dub. Winners were to what? Lots to get to. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino Week, Scully, it is that time. Three dub winners, weird and what, and this week... The tea is mine, gents. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Well, like we just discussed in the previous segment, we have a major coming up in a couple of weeks at Kiowa Island, but if we skip that major and just look forward into June, we're going to be at Torrey Pines. Now, Torrey Pines, one of the hardest golf courses year in, year out on the PGA Tour. The guys never tear up Torrey Pines for the Farmers Insurance Open, and that even now includes the North Course, which has gotten more challenging over the years, but certainly easier than the South Course that will host the U.S. Open. And I read a little something about the setup this year, guys, at Torrey Pines. Now, unfortunately, there's a chance they play it a little bit shorter than what we saw back when Tiger won in 2008. However, we might be saying goodbye to graduated rough come June at the U.S. Open, which I would absolutely love. Bob, I know that you and I have talked about this before, Um I'm not, I was never a huge fan of, of the big graduated rough. I wanted my U.S. Opens to be U.S. Opens. Man, if Torrey Pines goes with the thick stuff, the good stuff, the old stuff, there could be carnage at Torrey Pines. <laughs> there could be, there could be guys who don't finish. They might be ROB, you don't run out of balls. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we will see. We still got a long way to go, but if they got Tory playing hard and fast with the thick stuff, no graduated rough, it's going to be a great U.S. Open at Tory Pines. We're going to get more to uh, Tory Pines coming up at, with my what, but before my do, my weird, this is the best backhanded ca- uh, compliment of all time on the PGA Tour. Scully, Cameron Tringali, did you read this? This is my favorite. With his finish last week, Cameron, or excuse me, this week, he made a 15-footer on Sunday at the Valspar Championship to become the all-time leading money winner on the PGA Tour without a victory. Wow. <laughs> that, that's just, like, so he has made close to $14 million in 297 events without a victory to become the all-time leader. That has to be... Like, do you celebrate that, Adam? Like, what if that should you celebrate that? Because you know it shows a credible amount of consistency. You've played exceptionally well, but that is a lot of dough without a winner's circle. It does. I mean, I wouldn't hate fourteen million dollars. 
Dr. Evil style, but I mean, you know, for, for, for Cameron Tringali, he, he hasn't got that win. He's been around for quite some time. He's playing some good golf. Maybe he's knocking on the door, but $14 million sounds pretty nice. There you go. Maybe it, maybe it does. I take the money and run. Sorry, that's just me. Anyway, uh, my what this week, and just getting back to Torrey Pines, what are we going to do, guys, if Phil Mickelson isn't in the field in the U.S. Open? That's always one of the best stories of the year. You know, I obviously it doesn't it's not as much fun now as it was a couple of years ago when Phil was, you know, one of the favorites to get a win or was in the conversation. You know, he's really not in the conversation right now. But he has said uh, most recently this week that he's not too sure that he would accept a sponsor's exemption to the U.S. Open, uh, a sponsor's invite or a special invite. And the reason being is he doesn't want to be treated any different. He doesn't want any charity. But this is San Diego. This is his hometown. If you're ever going to take a special exemption, would it not be to your hometown U.S. Open? So we don't know if the USGA is going to offer one. And we don't know if they do, if Phil's going to say yes or no. But it's just not going to feel the same when Father's Day rolls around in June if Lefty isn't trying to get that monkey off his back and turn one of those six uh, second-place finishes that he has six of into that final major win to get his name on that very short list that has all four. So I really hope the USGA extends one, and I really hope that Phil accepts it for this lone occasion so he can play one in his hometown. All right, that does it for me. Bob, the tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, uh, guys, the uh, U.S. Open uh, local qualifying, there's actually only one level, I believe, is uh, underway today in a number of different spots, and one of the players who is trying to get into the U.S. Women's Open, uh, played this tournament for the first time when she was 14. She's now 65. Her name is Laura Baugh, and I don't know if that rings a bell with you, uh, Mark. I'm sure it won't for Adam Scully, but Laura Baugh uh, was a U.S. amateur winner at uh, 15 years of age, 50 years ago. And she was a, brought up by, um, by IMG and Mark McCormick in the early days as sort of a poster girl, I think, is when those things, terms were not quite as uh, terrible as they are these days. Uh, they were always terrible. I guess we, we just didn't point them out at that point. But uh, she was a, uh, a great golfer, uh, had a beautiful model kind of style career, and uh, never was able to win on the tour. But she's out there now at 65 years old. She runs 10 miles a day on the beach. She can still hit it 260 yards off the tee, she says. And the reason she is playing is because she wants to get some kind of competition before she tries to go into the U.S. Senior Women's Open. I don't. Do you remember her, Mark? Yes, I do. And I always kind of, I don't know, wrongfully or rightfully, Bob, I always associated her mind with kind of a similar way that Jan Stevenson was, was yeah. with the LPGA Tour. I don't know if that's a fair uh, re relation or not, but wow, good for her. That's amazing to be able to stay that healthy, hit it that far at that age. Amazing. Good on her. So she's had a, she's had a real battle off the golf course in a lot of different ways. So it's nice to see her out there. She has a son, by the way, who's playing on the uh, corn Ferry tour. And speaking of the corn Ferry tour, that brings me to my weird <laughs> a corn Ferry tour player named Nick Voke was playing in the uh, tournament this week, the Veritex bank championship. 
and uh, actually last week, and uh, he was trying to make this first cut in about five tournaments. They had to carry the tournament over to Saturday morning to finish off the round. He had two holes to play. So he got up early, he got into the elevator with his caddy, and as they started to go down, the elevator went bump and got stuck. He was in the elevator at 6.13. He was not able to get out of it at 7 a.m. till 7 a.m. And during that time, he called the tournament and they said, ah, sorry, if you don't get here in time, you are DQ. Doesn't matter if you're stuck in the elevator. Well, they uh, finally managed to rescue him and his caddy. They got there. There was no warm-up. They just walked up onto the first tee. He made a birdie and then a par and made the cut and was able to cash a check. So good for uh, good for Nick Folk. Adam, have you ever been, have Did you you ever been stuck in an elevator? Did you see the images of this? The, the <laughs> pictures were unbelievable. He's roll, you see him the rolling the putts, Bob, the two-footers? <laughs> they, they were putting in the elevator. What else are you going to do when you're stuck for 45 minutes? Adam, have you been That's stuck awesome. in an elevator before? No, I haven't been stuck in an elevator, but I mean, I guess the warm-up's overrated, right? To step on the first tee. It's kind of like Rory McIlroy, that Ryder Cup back in 2012. Remember when yeah. he almost missed his tee time, walked up on the first tee to a couple practice swings, and off he went? <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly right. And my what is, uh, what is Dustin Johnson holding back from us, do you think? Uh, on Instagram this week, his wife Pauline, or not his wife yet, his uh, girlfriend, partner, fiancé, was seen uh, posting some shots from a New York Vera Wang store with Vera Wang, the Vera Wang, looking at wedding dresses. Uh, interesting to note. Now, Dustin was questioned about that on the press conference. He was out on Wednesday last week and said, have you picked a date yet? And he just said, nope. That was about all he said. So we're not sure if there's going to be a wedding and maybe... Maybe Paulina's going to have a wedding and it's not going to be with Dustin. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Not that I'm starting any rumors. No, I suspect that there are things are well along in the planning and Dustin just doesn't want to get too involved. Like most guys, you know, when you go to a wedding, the women do a lot of the prep, the women do a lot of the planning, and the guys just kind of show up. I know, I know that, was, uh, that was my case both times. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the next time. You never know. <laughs> yeah. oh. All right, Adam, the tea is yours. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. You know, boys, that's the beauty of this segment. You never know what's going to come up. Weddings, Phil Mickelson, who knows. But uh, anyway. I can't wait for week, Adam's first marriage. I can't wait for your first marriage, Adam. It's it's going to be something. You might have to wait 10 or 12 years for that, but who knows. <laughs> Anyways, my winner this week, one of the great stories we've seen in quite some time on the PGA Tour, great feel-good stories, and that was Michael Visaki. He qualified for the Valspar Championship last Monday, making a 20-foot putt, and then the clip that went viral. He called home, and, you know, CNN picked us up. People Magazine picked us up. It was a very emotional moment for Michael Visaki to finally make it to the PGA Tour. 27 years old, Florida Mini Tour legend, 37 career wins on the West Florida Pro Golf Tour. Shot rounds of 74-71, didn't make the cut, missed it by four shots, but he birdied his first hole. I don't know, Bob, in terms of feel-good stories, this has to be up there for one of the great stories of the year thus far. I, I love this story. I love these ones where guys get the chance to, to live out their dream of a lifetime. You know, you see it every once in a while on the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour, and it's just such a feel-good. It doesn't even matter what the person shoots, you know, just to get there, to tee off, to get that opportunity after a long grind. Boy, it's, uh, it's special.
Yeah, it's certainly very special and great to see some other guys, you know, Bryson DeChambeau commented, Justin Thomas, some other guys saying, way to go, Michael, way to go. Okay, my weird this week, you guys know me, I'm, I'm 6'4", I'd like to say I'm a pretty tall human being, but this week there was a record broken on the PGA Tour by Jordan Hahn becoming the tallest player ever in PGA Tour history at 6'8". I, I had no idea anyone had been close to that height to make it to the PGA Tour. The previous tallest was Phil Blackmar, current uh, commentator for Golf Channel at six foot seven. Yes, Jordan Hahn did miss the cut at se- with uh, rounds of 78, 71. Other than those two, Patton Kazire is the tallest person on the PGA Tour at six foot five, according to their website. Uh, Mark, what, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I need a ladder to play golf with all those gentlemen. That's that's the only thought. <laughs> We have a we have that picture of you and Michael Gligic, Mark. That was uh, right. that was kind of the that long and the short of it, wasn't it? <laughs> He's well, pretty even, tall. Uh, tall even, no, no, but even uh, Bob uh, on our social media came up a picture of the three of us from three mm. or four years ago at uh, Bayview with Adam, and uh, even standing beside Adam, uh, I, I looks ridiculous. So. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing I wasn't wearing my heels that day, too. We'll put it that way. Uh, anyway, my, my what this week, uh, the PGA Tour has done some great things. Uh, you know, now with social media, there's more of a, a financial pot involved now. That's another topic in itself. But something they did do this past week at the Valspar Championship, players could uh, on their caddy bibs could put whatever they wanted. Some players decided to keep their name, Dustin Johnson. A lot of people had their Twitter handles. But for Mark Hubbard, who, of course, earlier in the year had that infamous pinky putt, which uh, made waves on social media, his caddy bib said, kick me, kick me. That's what the back of his caddy bib say. I'm not sure how he got on to, for it to say kick me. Uh, and I, I don't think anyone actually kicked his caddy. But uh, Bob, if you were playing on the PGA Tour, any thoughts, you know, don't three putt, anything that you'd have on your caddy's bib? I'd put maybe something like danger lefty, <laughs> something like that on it. I don't know. <laughs> I can't think too quickly. Oh, yeah. A wild story for sure. That but kick me of all things. I like that. Kick. How about give it to me? I'll take it. Pick it up. Something yeah. like that. I like pick it up. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's good. That's what I'd like. Yeah. That's good. Oh, that would be funny. That is good. Okay. Well, on the other side, we will give you leaderboard updates from other tours around the world of golf. There were some other winners uh, from Planet Golf. We'll also get you updated on 20 Weeks Taylor May. A few other things happening. Also, Tee Up Golf Talk Canada Television this week. We'll let uh, Adam in on what's happening this Wednesday. I know you heard the interview with uh, Mike Weir. We'll get to see the interview this Wednesday on GTC. All that coming up on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. 
Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as we wind down today's show. Let's give you a leaderboard update from around the world of golf brought to you by Bushnell Golf, bushnellgolf.com, number one range finder in all of golf, including the all-new 2021 wingman from Bushnell. First, let's start with a FedEx Cup update. And Justin Thomas, your leader, heading to the Wells Fargo. He is in first, followed by Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland, Cameron Smith, and Xander Shoffley. They round out your top five. Stuart Sink, Cantley Spieth, Matsuyama, and Dustin Johnson rounding out the top ten. Of course, those all important top ten, you can't win it in the regular season, but traditionally, if you finish the regular season in the top ten, you've got a real solid shot of making it all the way to East Lake and getting the big prize on the LPGA Tour. They are overseas in Singapore. Uh, Brooke Henderson not making the trip. Elena Sharp did. She shot two over. Hui Jung Kim with the win at 17 under par. Good for a one-shot lead over uh, Hannah Green in second. And that two over par is good for T49 for Helena Sharp on the LPGA Tour. Paul Barjon gets it done in a playoff on the Corn Ferry Tour, the Huntsville Championship. Congratulations to him for the victory. Mike Weir, his first ever win on the Champions Tour, two-shot victory over Daly. Petrovic, Toms, gets it done. Solid ball striking on the back nine. Big celebratory victory in the world of golf there. Everybody likes to see Weir back in the winner's circle. Well done, Mike. And at the Valspar Championship, Sam Burns rips the monkey off his back. First career victory, three-shot win over Keegan Bradley, four-shot win over Cameron Tringali and Victor Hovland. Not the best of weeks for Team Canada on the PGA Tour. Corey Connors, five under par, T21, and Michael Glickick with a nice 69 on Sunday, T29. So not a bad outing for them, both top further, top further 30s. But some missed cuts from some Canadians that we thought uh, might throw their hat in the ring this week. David Hearn with a missed cut. Roger Sloan, Nick Taylor with a missed cut. Adam Hadwin with a missed cut. And Mackenzie Hughes with a missed cut. So a lot of red and white that will not make it, that did not make it to the weekend at the Valspar. The PGA Tour makes its way to the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow, one of the best venues on the PGA Tour for this week's stop. Uh, for the PGA Tour before we get, what, two weeks away from Kiowa Island. We have the AT&T Byron Nelson coming up, and then we go to Kiowa for the year's second major of the PGA Championship. Scully, only a couple hours left, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. What are we giving away, and can they still win? Yes, only a couple hours left. We are giving away six dozen TP5 or TP5X TaylorMade golf balls, the most complete ball on tour follow golf talk canada follow TaylorMade canada on twitter and instagram and tag your golfing buddies we'll be having our draw later tonight announcing the winner of six dozen TaylorMade golf balls very excited as well mark and as we all know too wednesday golf talk canada television we're on the air one player we haven't really mentioned so far during the show but we'll be talking about on wednesday is rory McElroy making his first start since the Masters, missing the cut only for the second time in his career at the Masters. Which Rory is going to show up at Wells Fargo? We'll discuss that much more on Wednesday. Going to be interesting because he, you know, he's had Bob's success at Wells Fargo in the past. You know, one of his major championships, although it being many moons ago, 
was an eight-shot victory at Keough Island at the PGA Championship, one of those weeks where he ran people over. What do you think? <clears throat> what do you think's been going on since the Masters? Uh, has it been a nose-down grind, or or more of a I need I need some time away because you know you could make an argument that that uh, either one of those reactions would be beneficial to Rory right now. Yeah, I think probably a little of the latter and a lot more of the former. So maybe a couple of days off or three or four days off at the start, and then I think nose to the grindstone. He was talking at the Masters about how he got uh, you know misled or went down the wrong path trying to chase Bryson down the length and the big speed path, and I think he realized afterwards that it's got to be more like the Lee Trevino path, which is dance with who brung you. He's got a great, he had a great swing, he has a great game, he just has to trust it a little bit more, and uh, all you have to do is look at the list of winners who've come out recently, and you know, they're, they're not Bryson DeChambeau style, doesn't mean that Bryson can't win, um, but every, every tournament can, can be won by all sorts of different styles, and guys who hit it in different ways, and guys who have strengths in different parts of their bag, so uh, I think if Rory is smart, and I think he is one of the smartest guys out there, I think he's just focused on getting back to playing Rory golf. Uh, and I hope you're right, and I hope that's what he gets to because, you, you know, we've outlined this time and time again. Being the longest driver in the world with a golf ball doesn't help if your wedge game is crap and, you can't, and you're not making any putts. Like You need to be able to take advantage of that length. You need to be a great wedge player. And when Dustin Johnson went through this process, he didn't rebuild his swing. Uh, all he did was work on his wedges. He said, okay, let's figure out wedge shots that work for me so I can take advantage of this length. He didn't blow up his entire golf swing. And hopefully, you know, we talk about breadcrumbs, you know, the breadcrumb conversation with Bryson DeChambeau, in case things didn't go well, you got back to what you did well, you knew how to get back there. I'm hoping that, you know, he wasn't too far off the beaten path that, you know, it's not going to take six months to get back to where he was two months ago, you know, because... Uh, you start diving into major swing changes like he he was doing, it's not as easy as flicking a switch, although hopefully uh, those natural feelings that, um, those natural feelings of of how he was kind of born the way to swing a golf club aren't too far away and he can come back with them. Obviously in the field this week, we won't be guessing long, we'll know right away. And, you know, I think a good Thursday would help Rory right now, too. Mm-hmm. Just a good, solid Thursday. It's like smaller blocks, right, as opposed to looking at everything like, oh, my God, i got to save my season. What about just a 68 on Thursday? Let's just, you know, kind of start there and go mm-hmm. from there. We'll be back at 1 o'clock on Wednesday to break this all down as well. So, all right, guys, two weeks away. We only got a minute or so left here. Uh, two weeks away for the Players' Championship. Who, who, excuse me, for the PGA Championship. So who is the favorite right now? We're going to see two big tournaments transpire. I'll say right now, I'm still going Jordan Spieth. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Who's the favorite right now? <laughs> I'm going Justin Thomas. How about you, Adam? Ooh, yeah, I, I think Jordan Spieth, or, I'm still really perplexed about John Rahm, which John Rahm is going to show up at this PGA Championship. Is it his time to win his first major? We know he's gone through a lot of great things off the golf course. Let's see if he can play well on the golf course come two weeks at Kiowa Island. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, John Rahm is the big question mark, too. I'm with you on that. He's, he's right up there. We all anticipated b- great things from him. Thought, obviously, big life changes going on off the golf course. So we'll see who shows up. Uh, and sometimes those things can go either way. 
All right, let's keep our eye on uh, the situation uh, with our government and with our situation with golf here in the province of Ontario. We'll try to provide you news or information when we have it. Uh, the only information we have right now is uh, Bob suggested off the top of the show, uh, mobility, a concern. Uh, there's also uh, news that we know for sure that there are discussions happening today. And we have been led to believe that some type of information or announcement directly related to outdoor activities is coming in the next 48 hours. We don't know what that information is. We don't know whether that announcement's positive, negative. Could just be an acknowledgement of conversations continuing. We don't know. We're not going to tell you we do know, but that is what we know. And hopefully next Monday when we're sitting in this chair, we know a lot more and we get some good news. We'll see you this Wednesday for Golf Talk Canada Television. Remember, first good decision on the golf course. Well, we start in the closet. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.